Hey everybody, it's Chuck Arfine. Welcome to the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you as always by our great friends at Wintrust. So, as we have reached the month of June, and the White Sox are off to this sluggish start to the season, it is time. It is time to hear from the people. To hear from White Sox fans who have Many concerns, many questions about the team, about coaching, injuries, underperformance, and if the White Sox have what it takes to not only win the division, but become the World Series team that many thought they were capable of at the start of the season. And as always, you White Sox fans came ready and willing with tons of thoughts, opinions, questions about all sorts of topics. Ryan McGuffey and I got to as many as we could in an hour. We talked Yasmani Grandal, Yoel Moncada, Aloy Jimenez, Jake Berger, Josh Harrison, Yolbert Sanchez, offense, defense, base running, you name it. So it is. White Sox fans taking over the podcast. Panic edition. We'll do what we can to calm you down. It's coming your way. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With White Sox checking, you'll score a Sox debit card. Plus, you'll get a special offer when you open online today at Wintrust.com slash Sox Talk. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. White Sox! White Sox! Go! Go! White Sox! That ball hit deep way back! Deep to the Holy cow! Carlton Fest has put the White Sox ahead! Jimenez leaves the ballpark! You can't put it on the board! Yes! We got a chance to do something real special. All right, sit back, relax, and strap it down. It's time for the White Sox Talk Podcast. All right, Ryan McGuffey, it is time once again uh, to hear from the people. And the people have spoken. This has been a rough, rough start to the White Sox season. There's a whole lot of frustration out there. And you could see it in the questions, the many, many questions we received from White Sox fans. And I think it's time, Guff, that we answer them. I'm ready. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised by the submissions that we've received. And I look forward to it. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of, how about Dylan Cease? Yeah, how about not. Michael Kopech? Yeah. How many games do you expect the White Sox to win the World Series in? No. <laughs> <laughs> and right, you know what? frankly, rightfully so. So. Rightfully so, yeah, correct. So we uh, we are ready and willing to answer a lot of these kind of, we'll say that, we'll call them questioning questions, questioning what is going on here with the White Sox. So we yeah, begin. I think a lot of people, and, and me included, are in their own heads right now about the White Sox. And you'll yeah. see them, I think, in some of these questions. Okay, so I think we're going to provide answers, perspective, and hopefully uh, – well, you know what? Let's just get to the first question, and you'll, you'll see you'll see where I'm going here. First question: Bologna sandwich. Do you say bologna sandwich or bologna? 
I've always been a below knee guy. Yeah, me too. Baloney. But I think Even if it's in Europe or something, then I think it's different, you know. But I'm a yeah. baloney guy. Yeah. So let's just cut to the chase. First question from Baloney Sandwich. This is our championship window. All of us fans have non-championship window questions. Take us off the ledge. Well, first off, bologna sandwich, step off the ledge. That just please do that. Okay. Let's just get off the ledge. But in terms of the championship window and the, and the non-championship window questions, I'm right there with you. Just let's have the conversation in the living room, please, and not on the ledge. I don't want to do that, Chuck. Do you want to do it? I don't want to do it on the ledge. Do you? No, I don't. no, no. Back off the ledge. Back off you can't, the ledge. You can't, you, you're not in a good uh, head space if you're on the ledge. Yeah. So let's walk. Let's get off the ledge. So I'm going to talk you off the ledge, Bologna Sandwich. I think he's kind of, this is kind of, he's kind of teeing up what's coming, right? There's no real question here. It's just kind of like, here's what's coming. Talk us off the ledge. So I'm talking you off the ledge, and then we'll answer the questions. Okay. Well, here's my answer to you, bologna sandwich, and to many of you. Yes, the window is open. This is not a World Series team right now. They're not playing like a World Series team. This is not a playoff team right now. They're not playing like a playoff team. I still think they will win the division. If they do win the division or get into the playoffs, how will they do? in the playoffs. So <clears throat> there's always the question of, well, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. They've won series against the Yankees in New York, took two or three from the Rays. They're capable of winning a playoff series. They're also capable of being swept in a playoff series. This is a, a team that is in the oven and what's going to come out is either uh, a dinner that's uncooked, a dinner that is burnt, or a dinner that is just right. And I don't know what we're looking at right now. We're looking we're at gonna, we're gonna answer there's a lot going on with this team, and a lot of other questions are coming, so we can get more specific in in you know later. But uh, I'm not sure I'm getting you off the ledge. You're gonna have to be a little more patient. We're all gonna have to be a little more patient because uh, I know what's this team is capable of. They are not meeting expectations in many areas around the diamond. Yeah, no, I second everything you said. I don't think, I don't expect this team to win a World Series. I'm going to put it out there four minutes into the podcast, and I don't care what changes. I, I just don't see it from this group this year. And that's what 50, 48 games in as we tape this. So uh, I don't know if that puts Bologna sandwich back on the ledge, but. Um, I think we should get into some of the other questions to kind of really open this up, peel the onion a little bit and and, and really get into why. Okay. And and I've mentioned this on the previous podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again. And this maybe will get you off the ledge, bologna sandwich. If you would have told me at the start of the season that Luis Robert, Yoan Mankata, Aloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, AJ Pollock, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Joe Kelly, Aaron Bummer and Garrett Crochet would all be on the injured list by Memorial Day. I would say the Sox would be 10 games under 500 at least. And here they are a game under as we tape this. Okay. I'll buy that. There's definitely positives there. Um, They play in, thankfully, they play in the AL Central. Yes. That's a gift. That's a gift. And that's the gift, though, they needed that, that, that I don't know if they either have opened it and been disappointed by Mm -hmm. or just haven't found it yet. Here's what concerns me. You, you know, there's all this talk. I, the White Sox are still the favorite to win the division. 
And there's you just mentioned that you think the White Sox will win the division. I'm kind of like I need to see. I, I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to run out there and say like the White Sox are winning the AL Central right now. Not like 50 games in. I, I need to. Now it's a prove it mode. Here's why, Chuck. As we tape this, do you know the White Sox have the worst winning percentage against the AL Central than any team in the AL Central? I'm not surprised. No. That includes the Kansas City Royals, who are awful. The Detroit Tigers, who are awful. And that's what I'm concerned about is that they're not, even though those that list of that long list of injuries has been there, they have more talent than those two teams I just mentioned. They are not beating up on the teams they're supposed to. They're actually doing really good against the AL East. Well, they don't play the AL East enough, unfortunately. They play the teams in their division, and that's why they ran away with it last year because they beat up on those teams. They took advantage of, of the of the Twins when they were down, the Royals when they were down. And so far, I mean, it's a small sample. It's about 20 games. You know, it's 19 games. It's not been good, and it's why it, – look, the Minnesota Twins are nine games over 500, and they are nine games over 500 against the AL Central. That's how you win the division. Yeah. All right, Sammy Sox asked – is there as much panic about the current state of the White Sox in the clubhouse as there is with the fans having a hard time seeing this team make the playoffs? I mean, I don't think there's panic in there. No. Um, there's frustration. And I think some of that frustration is coming out in the way that they're playing. And I think they're trying to, it, I'm not saying everybody, but the guys who are struggling and who are just, we don't even recognize on the field right now. I think there is some, not panic, but there is, I think we're seeing some, they're pressing, they're trying to do too many things. They're not in the right place right now. And it's more with the offense. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned this in the past about, I think Abreu feeling like at least certainly in April, you know, that spotlight being a little too bright. And that sounds kind of crazy for a guy that's really embraced it for 10 years in the big leagues or nine years. But, I, you know, I, I've talked about, like, I think there's this expectation by now that there should have been a baton handoff and as to other guys picking him up and vice versa. And so I do think you are are seeing some of some guys press. I don't know. We might be making excuses if we keep if we if we name three or four or five guys. I think one or two guys, maybe in terms of panic in the clubhouse. Back to the question from Sammy Sox. You know, look, we you have it's hard to do this when you were born into it and, the, and your blood like has black in it, which is black and silver because you're a White Sox fan and you're going to be until uh, your time on earth is no longer here. The White Sox players, like they have the passion and pride to play for the White Sox and the fans. Like I don't, please do not like they absolutely do. And they have goals to win the world series, but, but being a fan and being a, like having the panic as a fan every single day for three plus hours and then waking up with it again, doesn't that doesn't work for players and if it if that's how the players reacted if they had the same panic that white Sox twitter did they'd be 15 20 games under 500 because they would be taking that every into every at bat every pitch uh every meal and you actually don't want that you don't want panic in the clubhouse sammy so i would say like the players are fine with you having panic as a as a fan because they have work to do. And so they now they, they need to change the narrative. It's up to the players to flip that panic into fun and like, you know, like excitement and realistic expectations. And right now, I think it's okay for the fans to feel panicked and feel upset and feel frustrated because you were told in 2020, like, you know, the windows open, they made the playoffs in back-to-back years and the expectations now should be to win a world series. So 
they've been disappointing thus far in 2022. But if if panic hits the clubhouse, that's a really, really bad sign. Yeah. I happened to be talking with Tim Anderson before Sunday's game, just in the dugout as I was prepping for the pregame show. We did the, the show from there, and and he was just like, this is a tough game. Like, this is tough. Hitting is tough. And there's a lot that goes into succeeding um, on a day-to-day basis. And it sucks that he then, you know, a few hours later got hurt. It's great news that he's mainly missed three weeks. Right. But, you know, it's uh, you can turn it on and turn it off as a fan whenever you want. These guys live this yeah. and they can't get caught up in the daily panic that White Sox fans might be feeling right now. There's another game tomorrow and another game tomorrow and the day after that and day after that or day after that. They're not panicking, uh, but they want to win. Actually, well, this is their job. Ten times like, more than you do, believe it or not. Right. I mean, think about what you like the, the work you put in at your job and, and and all the things that you're trying to do to be successful in your career and then to try to earn a promotion and, and, and keep on keeping on. That's this for these guys. Like we look at it, it's a game, it's entertainment, it's 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 like our side hustle. But for these guys, it's their main hustle. They're trying to get contracts, they're trying to win, they're trying to build their brands and and not winning is not helping any of that. So yeah. it's certainly underperforming. It's not helping any of that, you know, in terms of contracts and stuff. So these guys are playing for promotions and they're trying to put all, they're putting the work in. It's not translating right now, but again, you don't want the panic because panic translates to uh, failure and, and, and failure leads to uh, a lot, even more panic for the fan base. All right. Stromboli asks, is the coaching staff to blame? for the mediocrity this season, or are the players just simply underperforming? We keep seeing the same issues on the field without them being fixed. Bad base running, fielding, lack of discipline at the plate, to name a few. All right, I'll start by talking about hitting in the offense, because that seems to be the number one right now for the White Sox that's keeping them from really being in first place. The toughest thing to do in sports, hit a baseball. Frank Manichino was the hitting coach last year. Did he all of a sudden become a bad hitting coach? I say no. If he became the hitting coach with this team and for last year and this year, the offense sucked, then I would probably put on Manichino. He has a track record of success with these guys. I think it's this group of people, Grandal, Mankata, especially Josh Harrison, who are having awful seasons at the plate. And for whatever reason, they can't fix it, and he can't fix them. Is he to blame? Are the players to blame? I put on the players in that scenario. What do you do? What do you think? Uh, my answer to the question is both, mm-hmm. um, but I do. I, I will continue your stance that at the end of the day, as, as much uh, <laughs> the visceral and, and the reaction to Tony Larusa since the day he was hired. I mean, look. He doesn't hit with the bases loaded, you know. He doesn't when the, when there's runners on first and second, and nobody out. He doesn't ground into a double play. He can call things and make moves and the lineups. And we could say there's a lot of things to question about the coaching staff. Underperformance to me is not one of them because for whatever reason, like multiple guys are having their career worse years, and that's on the player. And they got to figure out how to come out of it. The coaches. It's like it's like it's like parents and teachers and everything else. You have to put your kids, your students, 
your uh, pupils, in this case, uh, in the best position to succeed. And Frank Manichino is certainly like with the video and the analytics and all the stuff and all the work that they put in that's not seen from 7 to 10 p.m. These guys get there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and they're all they're doing is working. They're not sitting around. And they're trying. And But the problem is, and Chuck, you know this, these the, the, trying to make adjustments to an offensive, to a swing uh, in the middle of a season when you're already mentally like broken is really hard for these guys uh, because it's such a mental game and a physical game. And like when you're talking about a little quirk here or there, a little adjustment to fine tune it on the fly, it's not easy. So yeah, Andrew Vaughn, by the way, made his adjustment in the off season and we're seeing it now. So exactly. that gives you an example. Yeah. I've, and I, I'm sure you, you, I know you've had conversations with him. I yeah. had a brief conversation with him too. Like what's clicking and, yeah, I mean, he he talked about a just the comfort of being there, and b knowing what it takes to be successful on a night in night out basis, which is making an adjustment. But he he the adjustment he made he made a, an adjustment mechanically at the plate, opening up his stance, and he did it in the off season. So he was able to roll this year. Trying to get a guy to change in the middle of the season, you can do it. You can try it. Usually it doesn't work. Now I will say this, you know, we taped this. Danny Mendick had a base running gaff. In the, in, that cost the White Sox yeah. a tie game in Tuesday night's game. That's coaching to me. Like it's a it's a player failure, but there's there, there's too many uh, there's too many mental lapses defensively. They're terrible. Base running, they're not great. Um, there's plenty to question about you know lineup construction and bullpen management. So I do think the coaches definitely when you're struggling, they play a part. When when you're struggling, you gotta you got the first place you gotta look in is the mirror. And that goes for every coach, player, executive, uh, trainer, everything. And so to Stromboli, I, I think it's, it's a great question because you're trying to point and figure out who's to blame when it's really collectively to me, everyone. Yeah. What sucks for Mendick is, I mean, here he is. He's replacing TA first game that he gets hurt. Two hits. I think he had two RBIs. And he's trying to make something happen. He should have known, okay, I got Vaughn on deck. There's a run that's going to score to tie the game. He's trying to be aggressive. He's trying to make something happen. That's how he plays. Yeah. It just, he should have, A, seen, I mean, from the looks of it, the Blue Jays were like. Yeah, I know. It, again, this is, you have a first base coach. You have, I mean, like, it's it's a bad, it's, there are, there are we can sit here and list 20 examples this yeah. season of yeah. things you're going, what the hell's going on? And it's got to be cleaned up. And that's the stuff, that's the stuff that needs to be, that's that's what I'm talking about. Put in a position to succeed. Make sure that yeah. doesn't happen tomorrow. And if it does, that to me is coaching. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Why aren't oh who asked this question? This is from Yaz Truther. Yaz Truther. I, I feel a Yasmani Grandel question coming. Uh it is coming, but this is not the one necessarily. Although actually it could be, but I'm gonna talk about someone else. Yes, Truther asks, why aren't our guys producing the way we know that they can? I want to talk about Mankata here. Yep. So I said before the season on our prediction podcast, this is to me for Mankata, a show me season. Show yep. me what you got. 2020, obviously, it was the pandemic year and he got COVID. Last year, Drew walks, played great defensively, but there was no power, very little of it. I saw him in spring training this year. He looked awful. 
He was four for 30. He had no extra base hits, 13 strikeouts, one walk. Hurts his oblique or at the end of spring training, misses a month. Comes back, and in the first few games, he was great. Hit a couple homers. I'm like, here we go. Yoan Moncada. But he's now eight for 60 this year. 19 strikeouts, two walks. He's been out with a quad injury. Uh, I don't know who this player is offensively right now, but uh, if the Sox are to do anything, I shouldn't say do anything, but if they're going to win this division, they need Yoan Moncada to play much better than he is right now. I mean, they're playing and they're paying him to be too. So, you know, look, you and I have had differing, um, I don't know if it's opinions or thoughts. I don't know. We've, we've been, our, our, our argument back and forth on him. We have different opinions on him. And I've probably been a little bit more, um, well, I have been, I I don't want to say I'm an, I've been an apologist. I've cause I, he's to me, he's been gold glove third baseman um, with, with the ability to be able to be, be better offensively. I'm starting to fall into the Chuck Garfine camp here. Um, clearly he's not healthy. It's clear. Cause there's no, there's just no reason he's eight for 60 with 19. He doesn't look, his presence is not felt when he walks into the batter's box, you know, and I, you know, not to bring like youth baseball into that, but I talk about that with kids that I coach all the time, that if you walk into the batter's box and the pitcher sees that you're giving up, it's all about attitude that mm-hmm. you're, that he can control you from the moment you walk in the box then you're done before you even walk in. And that's how I feel about Yoan Makata. I actually do. I, I really, have, I've showed a Yoan Makata at bat to 11 year olds to say, look, he looks defeated to me. He mm-hmm. looks like whether it's hurt, meant, whatever it is. And the you're telling the pitcher, I got no chance. I don't know what's going on. And it's really, I don't even know if it's frustrating anymore. Cause I mean, I don't know if the White Sox know what's going on. He's a really perplexing and hard player to figure out. And he's obviously been a lightning rod for White Sox fans since the end of 2019. And I get it. And I've been trying to say, like, hang on, he's coming. He's coming. He might not be 2019 Moncada, but he's coming. He's more, I think in the prediction podcast, I predicted him to have like an 825 OPS this year. Holy hell. I mean, at this point, I want a 650 OPS. Um, I don't know, Chuck. It's not good. And if he here's my thing with the White Sox at this point. I'd rather see anybody – I don't care about their performance in Charlotte or the minors. If you're not healthy, you can't play. And you're not helping your team if you're given 75%. Even the 75% of the top five player is hurting the team eventually. So I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if it's long-term. No, he, well, he is hurt. Yeah. I don't know. So sit, sit, then get it right. Yeah. You need to get every – there's been so much emphasis on the second half and getting these guys built up so when it's time to go and their schedule's favorable, they can go. Then put Mankata in that group too. There's guys, you have guys. You need to be – they can't keep rolling guys out there who aren't healthy. I mean, look at Toronto. He had no bench. He had four unhealthy guys on the bench. That was an embarrassment. I mean – It is. It's, I, I don't I, – I, I don't like get they're it. so shorthanded. You have Yasmani Grandal leading off, and they have a shot of the bench, and you got TA who's legitimately hurt. Okay. Sitting next to Luis Robert, who was activated but not ready to play. Larry oh, yeah. Garcia, who's just kind of well, coming back from him available. colliding yeah. with Abreu, Mancada. <laughs> and then AJ Pollock. I mean, like who wasn't feeling good. And even Benetti on the broadcast said, you know, I don't know who's available. Like late in the game, he's like, I'm not sure who Tony has available at the end of the bench. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I, Sir Thomas Socks asks, or actually, <laughs> it's not even a question. It's a statement. Yasmani right. Grandal is statistically the worst hitter in all of baseball. Discuss. He's not no. incorrect. No. Yasmani Grandal is slashing 163, 271, 218. He's slugging 218. His OPS plus is 45. Last year it was 155. Yep. League average is 100. He has as many extra base hits as Danny Mendick, who has 34 plate appearances. And on top of it, he has been DHing 15 times. Actually, I think it might be 16 times after Tuesday night. Whoa. Why are the White Sox under 500? Well, Moncada and Grandal are two of the reasons. Uh, they are the two that they're front and center. They're at the top of the podium. Now, I will say this you said his OPS plus last year was 155. What? Yeah. I mean, in the second half, it was insane. Oh, it had to be like 200. I mean, look, this is so through 63 games. Here's there's a major difference, though. That slash line, what was what was that slash line again for yes? Are you talking about um, for this year so far? Right. Yes, for this year. Yeah, I know where you're going to go. You're going to go the on-base percentage. 163, 271 on-base percentage, 218. The 218 slugging is horrific. I mean, here's what he was last year. First, so first half, he was 188 at the All-Star right. break. But here's the other – he was 388, 437. He had 14 bombs at the All-Star break. He had 14 homers? Yeah. Jeez. I, I didn't, didn't know that. that. I know. Yeah. So, and his OPS was eight. He had a 188 batting average, and everyone's so focused on it. Like, oh, Yaz does his walk. Wouldn't that be a great thing in 2022? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like, clearly, I don't think he's a great DH. I think he's talked to you about that on the podcast. No, he doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. So, maybe... Don't put him at DH so much. I know they're trying to save his knees for the second half, but like, be careful about that second half stuff. Just well, also McGuire is a better catcher. Then why did you sign Yaz for for eighteen million a year? Uh, well, that's are we doing that podcast now? Well, I, if you if you picked up, yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, I mean, Reese McGuire, the final because he had no options left, and the Blue Jays needed to try to get something for him. They, that's how the exact Collins trade happened. Well, you know what? Even if Grandal was an average catcher, you were signing, you were getting his offense. And now we're not getting his offense. No, it's a bad, it's. Now there are a lot of, I don't know if it was you or someone in the office the other day was telling me all, that was, it was Slavko, who by the way, Slavko had his last pre and post game show producing uh, for NBC Sports Chicago. Cheers to him. That was on Tuesday night. Uh, so he's at the bottom, I think, offensively, but along right there with Yasmani Grandal of like star players having god awful years, Salvador Perez and Javi Baez. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, this to make you feel better, but it's Grandal's not the only one having an awful start. Yeah, but those two teams are shitty with zero expectations. Like, uh, and whether, whether it's, and both those guys have bigger, like, those are bigger contracts than Yasmani Grandal, but. For the White Sox, he's the most – he – there should be expectations with Yes. Yeah. And, oh, my and, God. And yeah. He's the most – he's signed to the richest contract in franchise history. So, um, at least for now, and, and, until the other one's options and stuff kick in. But 
I, I Chuck, I'm at, I actually, there's nothing for me to discuss. I don't, I'm at, I'm at the same loss as, as everyone else is about yes. And, and especially, uh, Sir Thomas sucks. I mean, yeah. And I was fine, honestly, had batting him lead off on Tuesday just because everyone else was out right. and he at least could give you some productive at bats. And then what does he do? This is baseball. Three strikeouts in his first at bats. Yeah. First I had no problem with that just because the lineup is what it yeah. is. And, uh, He's a Eight. minus 1.3 war on baseball reference, by the way. Minus 1.3. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, H G, And so here's the thing. Like, he's he's going to get better. He has to. If he doesn't, um, we're talking about an Adam Dunn season. Yep. I literally <laughs> just Adam Dunn's first season with the White Sox. So uh, hopefully it doesn't become that. Um, HGFRN, that was his Twitter name. He follows up with, when Timmy gets back, is Grandal going to move to the ninth spot in the lineup to act as the second leadoff guy? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. That's the uh, that's White Sox Twitter humor. Yeah, That is. Tip, that's tip in the hat. Tipping the cap there. There's nothing to say other than just laugh and move on. Okay. Uh, Jim asks, when is the Josh Harrison experiment over? He gives you nothing. Bring up Yolbert Sanchez. It's worth a shot. Okay. I'm going to begin by actually defending Rick Hahn. Because if I was Rick Hahn, and I'm not sure he did this when he was researching Josh Harrison, when the front office was looking at Josh Harrison, but if it was me, I would look at Josh Harrison's season last year and I'd be going, hmm, we have a rough uh, April, you know, with the schedule, it's cold. Harrison's from Ohio. Last April, imagine Josh Harrison doing this this year with the White Sox. This is just last year. In April of last year, he slashed 333. Yeah, he batted 333. 419, 482. He had 18 hits in 15 games. On June the 1st, this is what he did. And there was no reason to think that he couldn't do this this year or something close to it. On June 1st last year, he had four homers and 18 RBIs. On June 1st this year, he has no homers in three RBIs. What the heck happened to Josh Harrison? Um, so OPS plus for Josh Harrison the last three seasons, okay? Uh, oh, sorry, he had – it was 106, 108. And if you go back – 2019, he only played 36 games. So he, then he had an 80 and then a 103. So he's been in a like he's been an above-average player. He's been a good baseball player. And not just in one year, like those lightning bolt guys. This is the worst year of his career. It's not even close. I mean, you have to go back to 2012, to find, which is his first full year in the big leagues, to find this type of – this kind of bad product. I mean, 2019, like I said, he only played 36 games, and they were not really good for the Tigers. You have to to go full season, Ten, you have to go back 10 years. So to your point about, like, defending Rick – um, you know, there were other, op- like, there were definitely other guys out there, but I, when they signed him, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense. Like the, for a lot, I, I just thought for a lot of reasons, he made sense offensively, defensively. I thought he click mesh really well, um, with just everyone in the infield. So to the, but I, I think the experiment has to end soon, Chuck. I, I, I just don't see how much longer you can afford this to go on. It's what it, you can afford it when the offense is a top 10 offense and everyone's clicking and there's one or two guys at the bottom that need to get right, then you can afford to do it. You can't afford to do it when every guy needs to get right, except for Andrew Bone. 
And I, I just, there's just not a lot to like. He hasn't really been good anywhere. And I, I like, this is where I'm talking about, about triple A. Like, look, I, I know the White Sox aren't boasting the, the number one uh, farm system in baseball. It's because they're all here. Uh, that's what happens in a rebuild. But you have guys, you need a spark. You know, I tweeted last week or during the weekend that the teams, they, it just feels uninspiring. That's how they feel to me sometimes and, and lately. And just kind of this whole stretch of just like, eh, give a, give a guy a chance, you know, bring up, like if your bench is hurt, bring up a guy for a three-game series. Yeah. You know, well, Gilbert Santos is not on the 40-man, but if you DFA. Yeah, two spots as we speak. I mean, look, you got guys you can DFA. Josh yeah. Harrison, I mean. <laughs> They just yeah. did it with Keiko. I mean, they, if they're they're willing to move on from Keiko, they're telling you that their patience is wearing thin. Oh, it, yes, it is. And I mean, I, I wanted Eduardo Escobar or Adam Frazier. Both of those guys are having the kind of years that, you know, in the kind of production that the White Sox needed from second base. I was even open to like, hey, give Danny Mendick a shot at yeah. the start of the season. That would have not been popular, but I mean, the, I mean Danny Mendick has four extra base hits. How many extra base hits does Josh Harrison have right now? Well, yes, has four. <laughs> oh no. Oh, there he had a double. The Harrison had a double and a triple in that Tiger series to open the season. I don't know if he's got a couple. He's got he's a got few. Eight, he's got eight of his 17 hits are extra bases actually. Okay. So, when he hits, when he hits, there's a 50% chance that it's yeah. going to be extra bases. All right, coming up more of our conversation here on the White Sox Talk podcast. We're back. After this hiring with indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And so, so Robbie then follows up with, at this point, would it hurt to see Carlos Perez and Yolbert Sanchez? Perhaps they can provide a, a spark. So Yolbert is a guy, for those of you who don't know who he is, he started out in double-A this year, raked. And when I say raked, he doesn't have any power, but he got gets on base. He's got a good plate discipline. He's in Charlotte now. He's batting 284. And then Perez, who was always known for his catching and – it was really odd, like out of nowhere at the start of last spring training. Tony LaRusso was just raving about him. He's batting 291 with nine homers in Charlotte. I mean, if there's a, he's next in line, it seems. If there's a, an injury, 
or they need a call up in September. I mean, I think Perez is coming up. I totally agree. I actually told you, these are the two names I brought up to you like a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. specifically for this. Like, yes, for instance, is like, yes, really feeling great. I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, give you're in this spot right now where you just could use a little, like, just, you know, throw a yeah. lighter underneath. And, and, and this is not to inspire or spark or, 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 or send a message to necessarily anyone in particular, although that's not a bad idea. It's just more about like, using some healthy guys at the moment. And I think there's a, I also, I want to caution this by saying, you know, everyone's yelling about like Yolbert Sanchez has been a very popular name for a month, but just, you know, like if Yolbert Sanchez does come up, I mean, it's 713 OPS. It's not like beautiful, like awe inspiring jaw dropping thing. Be careful. Like don't expect that if if Yolbert Sanchez or Carlos press cup, like they're supposed to be the answer to, to a problem. They would just be kind of a guy that you're looking to get to ignite. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it time and time again, where guys that have had gotten an opportunity at the big leagues just took off and never looked back. And maybe there's a situation there and maybe not, but it's worth exploring. And I do think Chuck, I mean, I, I think, you know, the Keiko, the message that, to walk away from a guy like Dallas Keiko making that kind of money uh, at this time of year, it is is telling you that their expectations are not what they're getting right yeah. now. Here's the thing that gets me about Keuchel. Because there was the question of whether he would be able to have a good enough season as your number five starter. Yep. It's easy to look back and say this. But, boy, it would have been nice if they just – decided to eat his money anyway at the start of the year and brought back Rodon. Man, you really want to stir the pot, huh? <laughs> I mean, you're right, but I mean, yeah. look, we can sit here. We could, how many? There's a lot easy to second guess. Can't we do this with a lot of guys? Like, yeah, we could sit here for a long, you know, and all the fans, I, like right now sitting there going like, that's right, Chuck, I told you. They're going to go ape shit on Twitter. Like they're the same, like be careful. Like that was the same loud noise that we were hearing about. Sorry, when are we signing Conforto? Announce Michael Conforto. I get it. Like I, I the only thing that I don't understand about Rodon is the qualifying offer. To That's what away, I'm talking about. Walk yeah. away from him. Totally get it. Makes yeah. sense. I understand what you're saying. I mean, in essence, at that point, Chuck, you're saying we're paying. I'm, I'm just saying they should have tried for the qualifying offer. I mean, I would, I mean, a two-year deal from Rodon. I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Because well, he's now starting to regress a little bit. His strikeouts are way down. I mean, so, it's just, you know, yeah, like, I mean, we're starting, we're starting to see a trend with Rodon that we saw last year and it's only eight May or now June. So we'll see. Um, and I, I, I'm just bringing it up because I don't have the answer to it, but now easy, easy for us to look back. Oh, they just DFA'd Keuchel in. Yeah. But Rodon, still gets, Rodon still gets the deal for the giants and the Sox get a, you know, a draft pick. So, yes. I mean, Yes. That's, that's really the question. It's right. not that they would have Rodon on the qualifying offer. He wasn't going to take it anyway. That's a good point. That is a good point. All right. Mark Potash. Oh, Shout out to you, Potsy. Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times and I think a diehard White Sox fan. If he's submitting a question, I would say that uh, it's a pretty safe bet. All right. Here's his question. Does Rick Hahn have the authority to make a managerial change? I love it. It's, 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 a, it's a perfect possibility. Like, 
You know, it's, it's not uh, what your he's favorite food ballpark. Yeah, he's just trolling. And I thought about it. I'm like, do I even put this in here because he's trolling? But then again, I'm thinking it's a legitimate question. It's probably on some people's minds. So why don't we discuss it? So here's what I can say about this. Jerry Reinsdorf owns the team. He is Rick Hahn's boss. When Hahn wanted to fire or remove Rick Renteria, he couldn't just do it on his own. He had to get the green light from Jerry Reinsdorf. That's the way the hierarchy works. Does Rick have the supreme authority to make a managerial change right now? No. Does he have influence and a say to make a change, a managerial change, whenever he wants to? Yes, he does. He has a say, but it's, he's not running this like, I mean, there's Kenny Williams, there's Jerry Reinsdorf, and there's Rick Hahn. There's these three guys together and others who go into the go into this and make these decisions. Are the White Sox going to fire Tony La Russa right now, by the way? No, they're not. And honestly, should they? No, they shouldn't even fire him. But I know people get upset, and they are upset, and they're frustrated. But, I mean, Rick Hahn does not have the supreme authority to make a managerial change. Uh, most manager – I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf has owned this team for a long time. He's got to say, and that's just the way the hierarchy works. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you're right. Um, I, hmm. I, Tony LaRusso was not hired to be fired. And that's how I'm going to say it, meaning he's not getting fired. I think, does Rick have the authority to do it by himself? No. I, I, I'm with you on that. It's a they are Whether Tony LaRusso is here or not. No, exactly. I don't care. Pick your man, insert manager here. My other thing, like if you're going to, who's going to, re, who is the interim manager on this? Like, Well, here's what I was going to bring up to you. Everyone, like, say, put Ozzy in the manager chair. If Ozzy Guillen is the manager right now, if A.J. Hinch is the manager right now, how much better are the White Sox this year? Uh, well, God damn, that's a whole <laughs> The injuries are not preventable. Like, I'm, like you can't sit there and go, well, he uh, Tim Anderson would have never gotten – no, that's not true. Um, I, I There are some things I, I wonder if they'd be different, but maybe a, a, a couple games here or there, maybe. Um, maybe a different coach prevents Danny Mendick from tagging to second base. These are all hypotheticals. Yeah, or you pull uh, your you pull Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu in the first inning of a, what ends up being a ten nothing second inning game in right. Cleveland when you have a doubleheader, so they can play game two. Uh, that kind of stuff. Hi, I don't hold grudges at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to, to back to the, I mean, look. You're not pulling to, uh, like the Hall of Fame manager out of retirement um, to to have the you know I don't know if you want to say it embarrassment of firing him at the midway point. I think that they will, if anything, when Tony is done managing the White Sox, I think it'll be a collective decision, uh, both in the ownership management group and Tony. I think mm -hmm. it'd be like Tony saying, "I." I tried i've done what i can either it's led to a world series or it hasn't um i don't know when that's going to be chuck if it's the end of this year end of next year another year after that i i who knows um but i don't think he rick Potsy, to answer your question uh is so the sole 
voice in the room when it comes to hiring and firing anyone. Yeah. My, that's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not in the room. I don't know hundred percent, but my guess is, I mean, we see from a distance how this has worked in the past and, you know, whenever there's been big moves like this, the owner of the team has a say, yes, Jerry Reinsdorf has a long standing relationship with Tony LaRusso. Um, but you know, Rick can Rick Hahn can't go rogue and just fire somebody at that position on his own. It takes maybe in another organization, but like, look, th that that goes for hiring too. Like, you're not like Rick single handedly isn't bringing in Tony Larusa without in input or collective, uh, you know, agreement from others. So, yeah. like it or not, that's the way it is. Um, you know, fans can sit there and, and, and bite through their lip until it bleeds or yell from the mountaintops on Twitter. Um, it's not, no one's hearing you. Like, okay. It's not going to change. Patsy, I hope we've answered your question. We, we did our best. All right. So Keep what are the odds? This is a question from Barry bag of donuts. What are the odds that Jake Berger stays with the team when everyone is healthy? Um, that is a great question. Say Moncadas comes back. He's in the third base. Jake Berger will get DH uh, games. There's a question. I know, Guff, you think this. Ozzie Guillen has brought it up. Maybe you put Jake Berger at second base. Uh, I have not seen enough of him at second base to say that. That's where you put him. I would love to have a White Sox team that's great defensively. I'm not sure if you put Jake Berger at second base, if that's the answer defensively but it's good to have his bat in the order. I think the more he hits, the better chance he stays here, period. I think he should stay here. I don't even think it should be really much to think about uh, whether or not it happens. We'll see. Um, you, you do run into the the who's got player options left, I think is going to come into play into that fact. I mean, you're, some guys are running out of them. Some guys have limited options left. Uh, I think Jake Berger has has been a, a, a constant He's been one of the few guys when, like, when the game's on the line, Chuck, like, he's delivered. I mean, he's not sitting there, like, with this robust slash line that's giving you, like, this great hope of, well, here we go. Like, we found the next, you know, third baseman for the five to ten years. Um, but I just – I think when it matters with him, I mean, look, he's got an OPS of 667, and we're, we're celebrating him. But I think Jake has played an admirable third base – and I do think he could move to second base. You know why? Whether or not you talk about the best defense, who is the best defensive option at second base? Larry Garcia. Oh, you said that with just raving confidence. <laughs> you, you, like, <laughs> there's Larry Dan Garcia. Mendick? I, I don't know. You had like a lip thing going with a, it was like, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'd rather have someone who's actually played a bunch of games at second base in the major like, leagues than, ex <laughs> than experiment in a, in a with a team trying to win a division. That's that's my question. Well, and I've never really seen him play second base, so I. Well, we know that he remember a couple springs ago, or, or was, I don't even remember. He was taking reps there, um, and maybe it was in the summer camp. I don't even remember. There's a lot more was. that goes into playing second base than just hey, just go play second base. That's my. Concern. I understand that, but you, I, the, aren't you more athletic if you're playing third base? Uh, I you know, know there's there's relays, there's guys stealing, uh, there's the a turns, lot of double the plays, and the turns different. I get. I don't it. know. I want this team better defensively, and putting Jake Berger over there. Jake Berger at second base, 
certainly doesn't. It's not going to do. There are right, bad. You know what? Guff, here's the problem team. with this team. Here's the problem what? with this team. Ready? Here we go. This team is not a complete team. No. When the White Sox won in 05, they had an actual second baseman. They had an actual right fielder. They had an actual left fielder, right? Yep. We are looking at a team that just is out of sorts. It's constructed in a way that you hope that enough offense and enough pitching will compensate for their issues defensively. And that's what the Phillies are doing. The Phillies Mm -hmm. did the exact same thing. They signed a whole bunch of DHs instead of giving money to their bullpen. They have great starting pitching bad defense and an awful bullpen. And that's why they're so terrible. So, you know, we want like Sox fans, me included, wanted Castellanos and Schwarber and the Phillies got them both and they're terrible. So defense matters. You mentioned 05. They were a great defensive team. They're really, they they just had guys and they had guys that were constants. You just knew where Uribe was playing. You knew Creedy was playing. You knew Gucci was playing. And they were healthy. They were health. Well, yeah, health always is going to play a factor. But even if this team's healthy, they're not a great defensive team. No, I know, I know. But if they were healthy, well, there's a lot of God. There's so many what ifs yeah. <laughs> with this team. Yeah. What if would have and should have and could have. Uh, speaking of which, Senator, I'm moving up. Um, I'm jumping ahead here, Guff. Good. Senator Bale Organa asks: At what point do the White Sox start to consider Aloy's inability? to stay healthy, a real problem moving forward. Yesterday. Yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm there. I mean, I look back and see that he played 122 games in 2019, and that seems like a win. 55 of the 60 games in 2020, a win, even though he was hurt come playoff time. My concern is, uh, yeah, he, he's, I mean, shoot, he has this hamstring injury. He goes and... The Charlotte in the first game, he kind of aggravates something in there. He's back uh, having batting practice, and I think he's going to be back playing rehab games in the next day or two. But Guff, I mean, he's only 25. What happens when he's 30, 32? He can't stay healthy now. I, I, I have legitimate concerns about him. It's literally, remember, I think I told you, I mean, I placed a bet on him. I think the last two years in the prediction podcast, I have just been all over Aloy, and I even put a bet on him to lead the, like, lead the league in homers. That's like lead everyone. Because I've just been so excited to see him play 150 games. I don't know if we'll ever see it. I just don't know. I, how can I possibly say that we'll see it? I, I just don't feel – I want to be proven wrong. I want that the, 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 the 2020, like where he won the silver slugger in left field and – um, but look, you know, recency bias, not always a great thing, but certainly the, what the injuries that he's had, they're different. I mean, I, I think the shoulder or the pec was a fluke thing. That's fluke because of what, you know, the, I don't know why he tried to climb the wall, but that's a different argument. Um, so I, I'm not going to say like, that was a thing. That's why, like, I think Rick is so cautious to say like he's injury prone because like some of the injuries, like for lack of a better word, are kind of like fluke and stupid. Um, I just don't know. Like, I, There's just too many guys running to first base and, and need to get a card off. I, I've never seen anything like it. And and Eloy is a big-bodied dude. He's a fun guy. Uh, I hope he continues to be fun. I could see that flipping if if this, conti- this type of stuff continues. But, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, Chuck, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. 
start be, that's when the White Sox should be start, starting to be concerned because he's a 25-year-old guy that they have a lot of money invested into. I'm yeah. watching him now, and I feel like I'm watching Derrick Rose when Derrick Rose kept getting hurt. Like, I was just like – That would be sad. Yeah. I mean, I was just – and what I mean, I'm not saying he's like Derrick Rose, but that is the feeling I get when I watch him play where I'm just like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. I'm not enjoying it like I should be. So you're like watching, you're like, you're watching Eloy when like he's Derek Rose after the injury. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, is he okay? Is he okay? Yeah. And oh, then, oh, he's not okay. Kind of like, he's hurt again. Kind of like Mankata in 2019. It was like, oh my God, like if 60 games, um, well, Mankata was 2019 and then Eloy in 2020, which was the pandemic year, obviously yeah. he, that was his, was that his first full year or 20 or 20, 2019 was 2019. You saw, you saw like it looked like, yeah, like, yeah. by 2022, yeah, it could be an MVP and Eloy could be a 45 homer guy. And here we are. Well, Derek Rose went on to play many more years, so I'm hoping that, uh, unfortunately, uh, not in Chicago. So hopefully, right, right, those right. years are in Chicago, yeah. Way. But so I'm hoping Eloy can yeah. turn this narrative of his being injury prone around. And now we have this Serbian Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> by the way, great questions by everybody here. And I like this one too. Which position player are you most concerned about going forward? Aloy, Grandal, or Moncada? <sighs> Good question. Yeah. So Grandal's got one year after this one. Jimenez has two more years and then two team options after that. Moncada makes 17 million next year. On the books, twenty four point eight million on the books in twenty twenty four. So oh, throw chance. all that into the equation. Who are you most concerned about going forward? You are Mankata. Me too. Just uh, you nailed it. He's over forty million. I mean, it's just he's he's trending this way. I don't like the trend, Chuck. Yeah. And like with Aloy, there's still so much hope that if he could just stay on the field, yeah, he's gonna I'm with you. In, he's going to run into thirty thirty five. Like. Yeah. If he just if he stays on the field, if he's healthy and stays on the field, it's 40 45. So we know the power from Aloy's there. Grandal, you mentioned like because of the in long term, the future of the Grandal, I, I there's way more invested in Mancata, way more in like both, both in, in financially and just kind of like expectations and hope. And yeah, I, I didn't think, uh, I actually did not think that I, I, I'd get to this point. I was hoping not to get to this point with Makata, but he's definitely the answer. Yeah. I will say that when he came back, <laughs> it was about a five-game stretch. He was looking like Makata 2019. So it's in there. It is in there. We just haven't seen I want to say one thing else, too. Like, everyone, can, oh, he doesn't care. He's body language. You can't – if you're going to read just body language all the time, I did mention body language and attitude. He's – he look, guys, he – when he hit those home runs when he came back, look at the emotion against the Yankees. Watch him run first base. Okay. He cares. He's putting the work in. It's just he's not healthy. It's clear he's not healthy. So definitely concerned. Okay. Another great question. I love White Sox fans. This is great. I mean, it's not great, but it's, it's, great. It, <laughs> it's not a great. I mean, it's not good that we're asking this question, but it just shows that White Sox fans especially the ones who listen to our podcast, they're freaking dialed in. And it's a good question to ask. George Mervosh asks, when was the last free agent signing that was successful 
non-pitching. And I had to think about it. And I'm given, I mean, I want to say this. Most teams strike out a lot with free agents. Okay. It just, it happens a lot. That's not to say the Sox, uh, I'm saying the Sox should be better at it. I I have uh, James McCann as the last good one. Wow. Last good position player, free agent. Who do you have? I'm not ready to sit like I I, I kind of want to stick stick with Yaz for now. Okay. Just yeah. not th- when they signed him. No, that's a you know what? That's that's fair. Grandal is still yeah, that's a signing. that's a good signing. It is still yeah. a good signing. I, I should not have looked past that. I'm just yeah. stuck in the muck of what's going on with him this year. That would that was a good signing. Yeah, and look, regardless of how it ends this year, remember what that when they signed him, it was like Thanksgiving of 2019 right heading into the 2020 season yeah and what it signified like that was the that to me that was like when the switch went from hovering to on yeah like the, and, and then Keiko came after it and you can say what you want about Keiko at the time remember how you felt I was so surprised that the White Sox signed Yaz at that I was like holy hell like they're out in front of it they're and last year he was phenomenal and that guy is probably spends more time at the ballpark than any coach. So, um, I, I, yeah, he's been horrible this year. And look, he's a large, like if he continues this pace, I don't know if the White Sox make the playoffs. I just expect more out of him. I think he's going to be. He's got to figure it out. He'll figure I it out. I mean, there's so much baseball left. I cannot believe if this continues like. I think yes, answer here. I, I really do. And, and, and people might not agree because it's, again, this is what I just said recency bias sometimes not a good thing. In this case, I don't think it's a good thing. Um, I, I think what he meant at the time, what the, the year he had last year, yeah, you know, seeing that like he was the guy last year. So I expect more out of let's talk, let's talk it, let's talk in four months. Yeah. And I want to add two more guys who they signed. They were not your typical free agents, okay. but Jose Abreu and Luis Robert were international free agents. Yep. Every team was gunning for them. The White Sox signed them, and they are home run signings. So uh, I'm including them in here. For well, Luis, I mean, Jose Abreu is one of the best free agents in White Sox history, period. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's one of the best play- – like, he probably will have a statue. So that's a – yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, and, and I think – What's what's lost in in free agency sometimes, Chuck, and you just nailed it spot on, is that international signings are free agent signings. Yes. And the White Sox really, really, in a lot of ways, corner the market and sometimes in the international spotlight. So I think Luis Robert hopefully will be that guy. Like five years from now, I think we're going to be talking about Luis Robert like we do Jose Abreu. If not, maybe I, mean, I think you could see another MVP. Um so, yeah, I, but Jose Abreu, I mean, geez, he's one of the best ever. Mike Plesha asks, I'm curious to know how everyone on Twitter knows more about baseball and running a franchise than people actually do it. And as a bonus question, why hasn't any of them left their jobs to pursue a career in baseball? I love Mike. <laughs> I absolutely love Mike. That, that's the ultimate that's the ultimate hat tip. 
I mean, because that's what what we've you've been you've been given a platform with social media. You're a fan, and you're a fanatic. You're not like that's what fan yeah. is, and so uh, easier to it's always easier to be uh, the backseat driver, right? Yeah. Um, we always talk about we're in love with the next we're in love with the backup quarterback. We're in love. Like we know all the answers, but then if you have to get on the field and solve them, you know. Like, like I just said, we wanted Castellanos and, and and Schwarber. I use that example. And I still want Schwarber. I still do. And the Phillies might fire Joe Girardi. So, you know, we don't have all the answers, Mike, and we're in it. Like, you know, we're on Twitter, but we're also covering this team on a daily basis. And Chuck and I, the, the reason we ask for questions is because we, we try to give you uh, a little bit of, like, definitely informed opinion with some of our – uh, like just Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey opinion. And we're also trying to run a franchise while trying to know what the inner minutia of the working system is without being in the closed, closed, closed door meeting. So Mike, you're right. I'm looking forward to the, the people who, who hang up their careers and move into baseball. Let me know when you find that person and then I'll start following them on Twitter. Okay. A uh, couple more questions. Richard Goldwasser asks, when does Hawk return to the booth? I need, and are you bleeping me? Followed by three minutes of on-air silence. Oh, do, how many would there be this year so far? 40. <laughs> like, like I, I'll go back to that, that first game of the, uh, of that Cleveland doubleheader when it was 10, nothing. Like he may just, I'm going to, you, you take over. Yeah. Like that might've just been, I'll see you in game two. I'll see you in game two. <laughs> yeah, when TA got hurt. Oh, I'm going down there. I'm, yeah, I'm going down there. TA would have been, I'm going down there moment. <laughs> when uh, Mendick got thrown out a second, he would go, no, no, no. no. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Mendick? Completely redo the soundtrack to the first 50 games of the season to what Hawk would have said had he been in the broadcast booth. <laughs> no the uh josh donaldson oh uh, god i i'm i'm gonna fight him someone <laughs> needs to fight him i'm gonna be down in the parking lot waiting for josh donaldson pitcher vincente padilla he would have vincente padilla josh donaldson waiting outside the clubhouse for <laughs> oh my god that's a great question richard good that stuff awesome. richard good question and then i'm gonna end with this and uh, I got two of these questions, and they're very similar, so I'm uh, putting them together. <laughs> JP in Lot B asks, when will this suffering end? And Cajun Style asks, when does the pain stop? Well, first of all, I hope they're talking about the White Sox. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, okay. It's just, just like, like how we started this thing about on the ledge. I want to Let's get them back in the living room. Yeah. Um, I can't I tell you been. when the suffering is going to end. I would be prepared for more suffering at least for the next week and a half because this is the toughest part of their schedule on paper. You got three at Toronto, three at Tampa, come home, three with the Dodgers. Like, thank you, schedule maker. Things will get easier. They will get healthier. Lance Lynn's coming back. Robert's going to be back soon. Mankata. And I hope Mankata is back to who he was. They will make trades at the deadline. They will get better. They should get better. And 
You mentioned AL Central, Guff. Mm-hmm. After July the 4th, July 4th, that's the next time they play the Twins. They have 16 more games with the Twins. The second half, it's just like Twins, Guardians, Royals, Tigers, Twins, Guardians, Good. Royals, Tigers. Sox will be healthy, hopefully. Yeah. And these are lesser teams. Let's just be honest. They are lesser teams. The White Sox have full control of their destiny. They really do. Does it, you know? Does it suck that they have a tough schedule right now? Yeah. Okay. They're not playing good baseball. Yeah. I think the offense is starting to come around, to be honest with you. Uh, I am uh, I am hopeful that the pain and suffering you feel right now will be subsiding and you will feel much better about this team come July. I'm going to answer get through June. <laughs> I, I'm going to answer this on, on more of a grand scale. I think yeah. you're looking at more of the micro. Yeah. JP and Cajun, never. Never. The suffering will never end. You know why? Why? Whether you wanted to or not, you signed up for this. <laughs> you were born into something you can't control. You were given a gift of being a White Sox fan. And with that gift comes a lot of pain and suffering. But that's what being a fan of, is, of, of a lot of teams are. Because if it was supposed to end, if pain was supposed to stop, if the suffering of being a fan was supposed to be done, yeah. it would have ended in October 26 of 2005. And at least for a while, it did. Mm-hmm. And you got, then you wanted more because you got a taste. And the frustration, continued. then it came back. And the pain started again. And it was years and years and years. And you're back. And you want that taste of 2005 again because I want it to. Chuck wants it to. So my long-form answer is you're in for the long haul. And you can get tastes of success along the way that are going to put a Band-Aid on it. But at the end of the day, that's what being a fan's all about. Is that yeah, and if you're a diehard fan of a baseball team, I don't know if you realize you did this to yourself, there are so many games that even a world championship team is going to lose 60 times yeah. in a season. That's pain and suffering just in that. You knew me, Chuck, when you, you, you've known me long enough to remember when the White Sox lost, it ruined my day. Like legit. Yeah. I had like, I'm like, I, this day sucks. It's four o'clock on a, they had played in a one o'clock game. And I'm like, the rest of the day is done. Like it's, I gotta <laughs> just go to bed and try to get tomorrow. Uh, those days have passed. Um, Good. You've matured. I have matured. I've found that the greater things in life, um, I enjoy the wins and some of the losses don't taste good, but I certainly don't dwell on them. So that would be my advice for the pain and suffering is don't sometimes how they lose, I think can hurt, but don't get wrapped up in every single loss because right. it's going to kill you. You know, and I, I don't want to say you've been sold a bill of goods, but there's a feeling of this like, hey, this was not how this was supposed to go. We went through a rebuild. We made all these moves. They made the playoffs the last two years. This was supposed to be a year where they took the next step. What the heck is going on here? That's where the suffering is and the pain and the disappointment and the frustration. So I get it. Um, I think I'm trying to see through the trees and see the light at the end of the tunnel and how this team can get to the promised land. I'm just trying to get to the playoffs at this point and then see what happens in the world series. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're not playing like a world series team right now, or even a playoff team, but um, the pieces are there. There's enough pieces, this starting rotation, especially with Lynn back. Come yeah. on. They're going to be in every game. But uh, let's just 
Hang on, boys, girls. Let's go. Hang on. They have the. They're the. Are they the most talented roster in the AL Central? The answer is yes. Yeah. Does that talent mean that they're going to guarantee themselves a division title? No, because there's been talented White Sox teams in the past that have not done it. Who? How this fit? How this goes and how it ends? We don't know. It's part of the pain and the suffering and the joys of, of getting to the top of that roller coaster and then riding it all the way down. So, you in? You're in, whether you want to or not. There's two options. And you probably don't really have one. You continue to ride it or you find a way to completely cut your ties and not care anymore. And I know that the people who submitted the questions and are listening to this podcast aren't capable of doing that. So (laughs) you are not capable of doing that. We know you better than you know yourself. (laughs) All right. We went over an hour on this. This was great. Guff Um, therapeutic for you, me, hopefully everyone listening. And uh, we're, we're all in it together. We'll get through it together. And let's hope this White Sox team turns it around and um, creates some good times for the rest of 2022. I see it in them. I can't wait till the next one we do. And then it's going to be like, did you expect all this turnaround? God, I hope so. Let's just hope that that's the next Cross your fingers for that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. And we hope we did uh, our we, – we tried our best to answer all of your questions here on the – White Sox fans, takeover of the White Sox Talk podcast. Brought to you by Wintrust, your home for White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Go to their special White Sox webpage, www.wintrust.com slash Sox. Hawk Harrelson, take it away. Thanks, our Chuck. And this edition of the White Sox Talk podcast is over.